This is Instant Replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. Featuring the best of the best from today's conversations, observations, and ruminations. Because great radio is still fresh the second time around. Earlier today on the Mac and Bone Show. Football is here, man. It is go time. And not only is football here, Bone, but a Panther legend told us recently that hearing the voices of Mac and Bone just sounds like football. That was Mr. Luke Keekley, ladies and gentlemen. I uh, wonder if I'm I... trying to get that on a billboard. <laughs> T-shirts you're working on in billboard. If there's All ever right? been proof how nice of a human being Luke Keekley is, that might have been that comment right there. <laughs> now, here's the question. Another Panther legend is joining us right now. Do you think he thinks we sound like football, or uh, is he going to use another term for what we sound like? If he like? says it, too, I might pass out. <laughs> he is Greg Olson, legendary Panthers tight end and uh, Fox's number one NFL analyst, who joins us after working late night on that uh, New Orleans-Houston game. So we appreciate it. Greg, what's going on, man? How you doing? What's happening, guys? Yeah, I mean, I only get up. I only get up early when I get home at three a.m. for certain people, and you guys are on that short list. So. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I we Bone, realized. Bone told me that you guys couldn't. Bone told me you couldn't get uh, JJ, so I was your next pick. <laughs> <laughs> well, I said that JJ had to go back to work, and all of a sudden, about four or five guest spots a week opened up for us on the old schedule. There, right? <laughs> I mean. I mean, that guy's building like a media empire. I mean, he's, he's broadcasting high school games at the stadium. He's on with you guys, his teams every day. I mean, that guy's he's, he's, he's blowing up right before our eyes. <laughs> he is. And you know what I noticed? Like, word is getting out with him. Like, not only did he do the high school game, but we were down there at training camp, and we had already talked to him live. He was lining up other radio shows in the area that will go unnamed. We're lining up to tape interviews with the man. Like, the secret is out on this man, Greg. Oh yeah, he—he, he, you're not gonna be able to tell JJ anything. He's—he's gonna have all the answers here in the next couple of weeks. Wait till he makes a tackle. Wait till he runs down on punt team and makes the tackle. He's gonna—you're not gonna be able to talk. To him. <laughs> oh man. So, what do you think? Let, let's start first. You, you did the New Orleans game last night, and I know that you know New Orleans is not really playing starters in that game, but you're around the team and, and you're talking, you know, to the coaches and stuff like that. What's your feeling on the Saints? We'll work our way to the Panthers, but what's the vibe? you get from the Saints. They added Derek Carr. I do, as, as excited as I am about the Panthers, I do fear like, feel like they, I understand why they're the favorite in the division. I think the biggest thing that in talking to the folks over there at, at with the Saints organization is, you know, I think every preseason we've all heard the coach speak and every player's in the best shape of his life and it's the best training camp we've ever had, right? There's just optimism galore in 32 NFL teams every single preseason. I, I do honestly think, though, from talking to Dennis Allen and Derek Carr and, and the rest of the crew, like I feel like the optimism in New Orleans, they, it's legitimate in their eyes. I don't think there's any false bravado. I think Derek Carr has made a significant impact on them since arriving there. Um, I think the, the confidence in the locker room, the confidence, even just talking to the assistant coaches, um, they, they feel it. They said it's, it's just different. And some of it we can put our finger on, and some of it's just, a little bit of a, a different aura that comes with having a guy that we have a ton of confidence in and, and frankly has a lot of confidence in himself. So I think they expect to be good. I think on paper and, and the way things have lined up for them this preseason, I think they have the opportunity to be good. Listen, if they can be a top 10 defense like they were last year and the last 10 weeks of the season, we put up a graphic last night during the game, the last 10 weeks of the season, they gave up like 15 points a game. 
You're going to win a lot of games in the NFL if you even just have slightly above average when you only give up 15 a game. And if they can keep that defense and just hold serve, and now a healthy Michael Thomas, Derek Carr, stay healthy on the offensive line. Again, a lot of question marks, a lot of what if. If enough of those things go well, with their with their schedule being easy, five of their first six games against non-playoff teams, I mean, it's not it's not crazy to imagine why they feel so confident about their chances down there. That's I, I think that's legit. Greg, when it comes to Bryce Young in the start of the season, how do you think they may handle him? Do you think it might be uh, Bryce kind of manages things a little bit, play it safe, or do you think that Bryce might be so advanced already that he might be a reason why they can win some games early in the season? Yeah, I think he might have to be. I, you know, for, you know, I followed obviously I followed the team just you know living here and, and always kind of being a fan. And you know, I know they're dealing with some things at wide receiver. I, I kind of took a deep breath the other night when Thielen took that knee to the back of the ribs and, and kind of stayed down. I said, "Oh my God, the last thing they need is a is another injury to a wide out." So thankfully, he came back in and obviously had the nice touchdown catch. So that was good to see. Um, you know, they got to get some of these guys back healthy at, at you know at, at wide receiver. I think that's going to go a long way. I think, um, you know, I think pass protection throughout the preseason was a little bit of a question mark. So if they're going to just think they're going to just ground and pound everybody to death, I just, I'm just i just not sure if that's realistic. I think there's going to be times in the game where they're going to have to have confidence in their pass protection and, and put the ball in, in Bryce's hand and say, hey, we know we're going to take some ups and downs. We know we're going to have some rookie struggles here and there, but if we want to come out and win and we want to come out and be competitive, especially early in the season, we can't play scared with our quarterback. And I, and I think Bryce has done enough to kind of alleviate them, alleviate that, some of that pressure and alleviate some of that concern that Frank Reich and the staff might have. Um, I think a lot of what they saw from him, they loved. I think they're confident that when the game is on the line, they don't have to just play protect the quarterback um, like so many other young quarterbacks over the years. So I, I think there's going to be a time where he's going to have to take the ball and say, okay, I'm the man. I know I'm a rookie, but i got to go out and win a game, and I'm going to have to win it with my arm, and I'm going to have to win it being a playmaker like we saw him do in college for those years. And, um, you know, if you're out there, the expectation is you're going to play at a high level. You know, there, there's, no, there's really no other way to go about it if you want to be a competitive team, which I know the Panthers expect to be. What do you think, Greg, are like – like what, what should we be thinking – that this team can do this year. Like we've been talking about the playoffs and there's like a, you know, because of the division we're in basically, right? Like, Hey, it got a shot to win this division. Maybe not some other divisions if we were in them, but there's another segment of the fan base and even media members that kind of say, Hey, let, let's, let's slow our roll with the playoffs. Let's just, if Bryce proves he's the guy and we feel good about that, like that's all we need out of this season. I kind of like that both, but I'm getting greedy. Like what, what do you think fans should be hoping for and expecting this season? Yeah, I think there's multiple. I think there's multiple levels to what's deemed a successful 2023 season, right? I think to, to you know, every player goes through the off season and the time and the energy and the commitment that goes into an NFL season. Nobody in their right mind, coach or player, is sitting there saying, "Hey, let's just be respectful. Let's just go out and do the best that we can." You know, if we win, we win. If we lose, we lose. If, if you have a lot of guys in the locker room and on the staff that feel that way, which I don't think they do. I'm just saying hypothetically, if they did, then you got the wrong guys in your locker room. They're, if you ask every single guy in there, in their heart of hearts, they're trying to win. They expect to win. It, it's too much work to say, oh, well, this is a two-year process. It, no, the expectation in the NFL is you're expected to play well as early as humanly possible. So I think the same, 
that same approach has to be taken every single season. And I think that the, the division just leads that to be a little bit of a more realistic, you know, expectation for the fans and, and the organization as a whole, because listen, the reality is there is a lot of unknown. You know, we just talked about the Saints, and, you know, although they feel really good about what they're doing, they still have some, you know, some question marks that, you know, things need to fall into place for their season to go as they hope. And then down in Tampa, who knows, right? Baker gets named the starting quarterback. How do they kind of adjust in the post-Brady era? Um, you know, we'll, we'll see how that all plays out. And then the Falcons, you know, are they ready to take the next step? Are they, set, are they solidified at quarterback Desmond Ritter? And, you know, you guys, obviously the Panthers will find that out, you know, here in two weeks. So I, I think the division does make that playoff, win the division thing a little bit more, you know, a little easier to swallow just because, you know, they're not in one of these just cutthroat crazy divisions like there are across the league. So, and then the last thing is, if at the very least, maybe the season doesn't go or you lose a couple close games and, you, and the division gets away from you, if Bryce Young plays and, and warrants what he was, where we, what was given up for him to be the number one pick, to me that's like, at the end of the day, I can hang my hat on that. That's not my ultimate goal. We're not just going out there to try to, you know, win, you know, you know, consolation prizes. But if that's the only thing I have at the end of the season, I at least can use that to say, okay, I got my guy. Let's continue to build. So I think it's yeah. twofold. But for sure, number one is let's go be competitive and try to make a run at the division. Greg, with so much newness surrounding this team, from players to staff, do you like the fact that they open up with two division opponents, or is that worrisome that they immediately get thrown into the NFC South fire right off the bat as they try to get their feet wet a little bit? Yeah, I think there's a couple. You know, I think there's probably two schools of thought. I, I personally like getting those division games out of the way and 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 getting teams early. I think you know, especially a team you know with Arthur Smith and whatnot. Like, I think it's probably harder for the Falcons to prepare for the Panthers than maybe necessarily the Panthers prepare for the Falcons just because we've seen the Arthur Smith version of this offense. We've seen a lot of the personnel. You know, we saw a little bit towards the end of the season last year when, when they when they sat Mariota. We saw Desmond Ritter come in and play. Nobody has really seen the full offense, the full defense, the full game plan, the coaching staff, Bryce Young. Nobody's really seen what the, at least the vision and the, and the plan is for this version of the Carolina Panthers. And I think unknown at all levels going into start a season is very difficult to plan for. So, um, you know, I actually think it might be a little bit of an advantage for the Panthers, um, just being a little bit known, a little bit more of an unknown commodity. And on the other hand, you know, we have a pretty decent idea of the, of the style of play and the manner in which, you know, Arthur Smith wants to build that team. Now it's just a matter of how do you hold up and how do you go out and execute, but at least, preparing for the game um, I actually don't think it's a bad it's a bad opener for the Panthers at all hey Greg so much talk has been about the offense this interview we've you know been kind of focused on the team in general or the offense specifically this defense Frank Reich said this over the weekend he said he is excited to see his first team defense out there in Atlanta meaning we hadn't seen the group together Burns and Houston hadn't played all preseason Brown sat out too and then the other night they, they put Shaq and Louvre on the bench too what do you think about this defense? Like the, two years ago, they were second in the league statistically, and last year they dropped back to where they're not even in the top twenty. You give me an objective view of this. We're we're homers. We love this team. We just feel like Avero and this talent. We feel like this is a this is a bounce back year to where they can be a top ten defense again. Do you think so? What What do you think? Yeah, I think that's very realistic. I think last year what really caught up to them was the injuries in the secondary. You know, I think that was really hard for them to to weather with 
with J.C. Horn getting hurt, and then, of course, Dante getting hurt. You know, they just got real thin. You know, we saw it kind of implode a little bit in that Tampa game towards the end of the season when they were still kind of hanging into the playoff picture. And, you know, Brady and Evans kind of went off on them a little bit because they struggled to cover. So I, I think personnel-wise, Derek Brown, you know, you mentioned I, I had a chance to visit with uh, with Aaron Rodgers a little bit when they were in town and was just catching up with him. And first words out of his mouth when I asked him how, how the joint practice went, he's like, Brian Burns is different. He said, Brian Burns is – we thought he was good. We knew him from afar, always thought he was kind of a pass rush specialist kind of guy. He goes, but seeing him up close and personal this year in practice, he's like, that dude has a chance to be as good as anybody in the league. So I, I think personnel-wise, you know, all those names you just mentioned give you, know, give you a lot of hope. I can understand why Frank is excited to see that group out there together. I think the factor that went into last year, aside from the injuries, was also when your offense struggles and that defense just has to go out and just hold serve, time after time after time and the offense never gives them a break and never gives them any you're never playing with a lead you're never allowing a team to drop back there a million times to play catch up force interception sack strip sack when you don't make teams play with a play from behind and you're not capable as an offense of establishing any sort of rhythm and any sort of lead or or control the flow of the game eventually unless you are just an all-time elite level defense you know, some of those Seattle defenses, some of those 49er defenses over the years, unless you're at that level, it's hard to hold up four quarters week in and week out without a little bit of help. So I think the better the offense gets, the more dynamic the offense can get, and the better Bryce can play, I think it takes some pressure off the defense, which I think was a big factor of what we saw last year as they went through some of the offensive struggles. Greg, we have some shocking uh, show news for you this morning while you were probably getting some rest before you came on. You've mentioned before driving with your kids in the car going to school. This morning, we welcome back all the kids that are going to school. <laughs> Thanks for coming back to us here during this new year. And then Matt cussed on the air 20 minutes later. <laughs> so I had to apologize wow. 20 minutes into the, the, the whole new school year. Greg. My bad, parents. <laughs> yeah, I get it. I'll tell you what, though. We, we There's two times a year that we listen to Mac and Bone, and I'm just, I don't, I don't mean to be rude. It's not like I, I want to be honest. We listened to you guys like for, we listened every single day in the spring for like three months leading up to the draft. You guys yeah. did an awesome okay, job. Thanks. I gave a, My kids were excited about Bryce and, and the possibility of who we were going to draft, especially after we traded up to one. And now, since the preseason started and we're back to school, man, it is a put it Mac and Bone. My daughter even asked, hey, Dad, where's Mac and Bone? Like, we are listening. We're getting all of our Panther news. So now that the kids are back in school, our our viewership of the Mac and Bone show is right alongside with it. So There you go. We got the Olsons back. Baby. How about that? I just got to wash my hey, mouth when's now. Little Mac gonna be, is Little Mac going to make an appearance? Little Mac? Yeah. <laughs> Little Mac, uh, week one of the NFL season, next week he wants to spring a, a bunch of uh, hot takes. 2023 NFL hot takes. I'll tell him that you are anxiously awaiting. Yeah, you got to do it a little bit earlier because my kids want to hear it. Oh, okay. But you always do it. They get out of the car. So plan it around my kids' schedule. That's great. They're out of the car at like 7.35. So if he can be on before that, we'll we'll catch him in the car. Tell him he's got fans. He's got fans. We're we're thinking uh, Little Mac and JJ might have their own show at some point. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, you're going to end up going back just behind behind the glass and just work the switchboard. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's where I'm headed anyways, demoted, but yes, that's... Demoted. By the way, I had a question for you, Greg. We had Matt, Matt Ryan was in Charlotte on Friday. His It was his debut in the booth for CBS. He was good, and, man. And he did a good job, and he actually said a lot of, like, I don't know if he was trying to go out of his way to be nice to us fans that, that hate him, but he was like,
like really trying to pump up Panther fans about the way Bryce was playing and stuff. But we might have had some fun like telling fans that maybe they should yell stuff at him if he was on the field, like get the bleep off our field and stuff like that. And it just occurred to me talking to you. I'm like, does Greg get like harassed by enemy fans? Because the way I view you is that you're like super likable. Do like Falcons fans or Saints fans, does any fan base like like yell anything at you or are you, you kind of unscathed? In person, no. In the stadiums, we get very, like even last night being down in New Orleans, and you know, a lot of the fans, and especially the diehard ones that are in row one of a preseason, you know, week three preseason game dressed up in Saints, you know, headgear and costumes, they are, they're super nice. You know, they say hi, they ask you for a picture. They're, yeah. they're, I get no in-person flack, even when you're kind of in uh, in what was enemy territory at one point, you know, like you are when you're in a uniform and everybody's cussing you out. But you do get it like social media stuff, right? So if you call a game, regardless, I could have spent I could spend four quarters talking about how good the Bucks are, how amazing the Saints are, the Falcons are going to win a Super Bowl, and after the game, a, a small but still vocal contingent of those fan bases. <laughs> Olsen hates us because we beat them in 2018. Olsen <laughs> hates us because, you know, like, yeah. uh, I'm just like, man, I can't win. You know, I, 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 but guys, I promise you, my, my observation of today's game in week three of 2023 has, dear, I don't even remember what the score was in 2018. Like, <laughs> let's move on. Let's move on. You know what I mean? Like, that 2012 game in week 16 is not really lingering on my brain as I, as I, you know, but you, you probably get it though from both teams. That means you're doing a good job. It's probably fal- if you're doing a Falcons Bucks game, yeah. and they it's probably you. both. Yeah, you're doing a good job. Yeah. There you go. But uh, you know, yeah, it's, if the I'm, consensus if the consensus after the game is that you were a homer on both yeah. sides, that means you did a great. That's job. a good point. <laughs> That's a very good point. I, it's funny as Greg's saying this, I'm thinking, man, do these fans not realize that Greg's a professional? He has no agenda and stuff like that. But then I re- I realize how we get triggered by Rondé and. Um, who was the oh Vilma? Rondé yeah. and Vilma trigger us sometimes, so I guess we're all nuts a yeah, little bit. We are. <laughs> all right, brother. Well, hey, it's good to talk to you. I love getting your perspective on the team. You were great last night, as always, man. Have a great season in the booth, and uh, thanks for chatting with us. You got it, guys. Anytime. Look forward to uh, listening throughout the season. Listen to Mac and Bone every weekday morning from six to ten. Instant replay continues with more in a moment. Only on. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. The exclusive home of the Charlotte Sports Fan. This is Instant Replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. This afternoon on the Wesson Walker Show. Let's talk about some cuts the Carolina Panthers made over the weekend. Right after the game on Friday, they released 11 players on Saturday. The following 11 players are quarterback Luke Walton, sorry, Jake Luton, running back Cam Peoples, wide receiver Gary Jennings, and C.J. Saunders, tackle Larnell Coleman, defensive lineman Antoine Jackson, linebacker Bumper Poole, say it ain't so, Bumper, safeties Colin Duncan and Josh Thomas, cornerback Rajon Wright uh, no. and kicker Matthew Wright. So I think there are some interesting names for the Panther sickos out there. You know, you you have to be a local Panther fan to have any intrigue with some of these names that were cut. But we can start with Rajon Wright. Wes, that's your boy. 
I'll, I'll tell you, I'm a little surprised to see that it happened the first round of cuts, but just never carried any of that momentum that we got after he signed as an undrafted free agent. Yeah, it just didn't work out for him, man. The injuries started to mount up on him, not to mention the play. They said he was giving up too many big plays in practice. We saw in the game on Sunday uh, the play that they gave up the big the big pass to, um, oh, my God, the, the UNC receiver. Uh, Antoine Green. Yes, Antoine Green. That throw Green. was nuts, by the yeah, way. Yeah, that big throw, but then we saw him fall on his keister uh, when he had a chance to make a play there. So it just wasn't looking good for my boy, man. Keister hits a little different. <laughs> and you put a little emphasis on it. I yeah, saw yeah, Fitty laugh over there. Yeah, almost spit yeah. up the pizza that he's hitting. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's not a curse word, but also Keister, it does seem a little more derogatory when you said it. So I, yeah, I, 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 I like almost, to put emphasis on it because it's such a funny word to say. It's a good one. Yeah, Keister. Yeah, Keister. It's a good word. All right, a couple of other names. Uh, Gary Jennings, I think, had the most production of any of these guys that were cut. I saw some people thought that maybe he had an outside shot to make the team. Derek Wright going to be the pass catcher that I think is going to be the most surprising possible roster player. But Jennings did enough to where maybe he gets another look from somebody else. Um, had a good game in this last round. We saw the touchdown uh, reception from Jake Luton. So I thought maybe Jennings and then C.J. Saunders, also one of the more familiar Spartanburg names, even the last couple of years, if I'm not mistaken, certainly two years ago. C.J. Saunders was always a name that would pop up in a, hey, don't look now, but Saunders is impressing down here in Spartanburg, but eventually doesn't make the roster. So the wide receivers there, I thought, were names of now. That's a hard part uh, about this sport, man. You look at a guy like Jennings, and what he was able to do, and we'll never know, you know, exactly, you know, as far as what the coaches were looking for and things of that nature, man. But like you said, he was very productive, had the touchdown catch, uh, five catches for 72 yards during the preseason. So you would think that that would be enough maybe to have him in the mix, but it was all for not. I mean, the Panthers room right now, receiving-wise, you know, it's going to be pretty hard to get that last spot or two anyway. So, uh, but no huge surprises, but... Um, We'll see as more come out because there's going to be a lot more to go. So 79 is where the roster is right now. They have another 26 moves to make between now and Tuesday's 4 p.m. deadline to reach the initial 53-man roster. So we still have a big old wave or two of cuts coming in here, Wes. So when you look at some of the guys that are on that fringe, who do you think is going to be among the toughest player to cut who, who is in that category of man you did such a great job but it's just we're too deep at this position despite you playing well any names come to mind well i'd go with the guy that we talked about uh, at the top of the show spencer brown i mean you look at a guy he comes out there has 51 yards rushing runs the ball uh very hard for this panthers team when he was out there did the most with a uh, suspect offensive line play and so that's a guy that you look at and you say, man, you know, when he's battling. Uh, but I think the the big difference with him and a guy like Blackshear is that he comes out and uh, Blackshear is a dual threat back in the backfield. And I think that adds to his value. We know, too, but what they've invested in him. And then Miles Sanders, for sure. But Spencer Brown is a guy that's going to make it hard for uh, the Panthers to cut because I'm sure they like what he brings to the table there. Uh, defensively, man, it's going to be interesting to see. And, um YGM, what's going to be his fate when you looked at what he was able to do uh, during the preseason? You didn't get a ton out of him as far as what you necessarily wanted to see. Uh, when you look at this, I mean, you talk about him being a guy that a lot of people put a lot of pressure on him. Was this going to be his last 
hurrah, so to speak. He had three hurries uh, during the preseason. He had 10 pressures, but wasn't able to get maybe some of the tangible sacks uh, when you talk about it from a production standpoint. So he could be a guy, a name to watch as well. So here we are talking about Derek Wright. If you go to the back end of that wide receiver room, Joe Person wrote in his roster projection article, a part of The Athletic, the Panthers want to see more consistency from Shai Smith. And the fact that he was still playing in the second half of Friday's exhibition finale, while Derek Wright had his shoulder pads off on the sideline, is a pretty good indicator of where Shai Smith stacks up among the receivers on the roster bubble. Now, context is important in this situation, but Shai Smith was their third leading receiver last year. It goes to show you just the lack of depth that they had last season and the passing game as a whole. They leaned into the running game, even without Christian McCaffrey, Deontay Foreman, and even Chuba Hubbard, who we do this all the time with. We gave him his flowers for the second half of last season. Performed really well, running between the tackles. Hard-nosed guy. I thought he really showed out, and that's why their offense was more predicated in the run game. Even so, Shai Smith was the third receiver that you depended on, and the guy might be cut in favor of Derek Wright. I can't imagine that's a name a lot of people were paying attention to, even going into Wofford. I thought Shai Smith might be a cut, but I didn't expect it to be at the expense of a Derek Wright. And Wes, despite you threw out some darts, you threw one at Rajon Wright. It didn't work. He got cut. But you also threw one at Derek Wright, I don't know, a couple weeks ago. And it looks like he could make the roster in favor of a six-round pick that they had out of South Carolina a couple years ago. Yeah, and it's so crazy now, especially with them having to make uh – just a large sweeping amount of cuts where you don't go week to week to week, man. And that's the interesting part. Now, I think it would be interesting to find out from guys just how much more pressure that puts on you, especially with starters not playing because the coaching staffs, I feel like a lot of times definitely go by uh, context when they're looking at some of these players and what they do because we talked about the production of guys and they come out and you're thinking, oh, they might have a shot and then they just don't make it. And so that's why it's going to be even more interesting to see uh, what cuts they have to get to because to go from 76 to 53, I mean, that's 23 more guys that have to go down. So it's going to be fascinating to see uh, what names don't make this roster. All right, here's an interesting one for you. Tell me where you are on Matt Corral. Quarterback at Ole Miss. Not as good as he was in the second game in this last one against Detroit. Struggled. Four of 12, 52 yards total, while a Jake Luton who got cut, yeah, he threw an interception, got sacked a couple times, also had more passing yards on the same amount of attempts. Two more completions, to be exact, as well. You know, Bryce Young is here to stay, clearly. You know, Andy Dalton is here to stay, pretty clearly. Matt Corral, do you want to keep three QBs if you've only seen a guy really for three preseason games, one that was a good outing and the other two not so much, where are you on cutting or keeping Matt Corral? I would keep Matt Corral because of the fact that, like I said, he is such a young prospect. Uh, the fact of, like you said, he's just getting back to playing football on a consistent basis after missing all of last season with an injury. So I think I give him a chance to develop. And we saw last year from my team, the 49ers, I mean, it can happen to where you have to end up using all of the depth in your quarterback room. So I keep Matt Corral. Didn't like what you saw from him in this last game. But that second game, I think there was a lot there. I think he's got a lot of potential um, there at the end of the day. So I keep Matt Corral. I let him develop another year in the system because if he looks good to me, if I'm on the coaching staff hypothetically, and then we move on from Andy Dalton next season, 
then I bring Matt Corral in to be the backup. Oh, one other name on Joe Person's list. He pre- he brings up Tommy Trimble. He said, like all the other players on this list, Trimble was drafted under the Matt Rule regime. Reich staff could have a different view of his skill set and ceiling. We saw him have a drop against the Detroit Lions on Friday. Tommy Trimble is not someone that's been overly productive in these three preseason games. It's been hard to see that for many pass catcher, but still, even a drop, right, from Trimble, it's not the greatest of signs. I don't want to cut Trimble. I can be naive in thinking that it could all unfold for him. I'll, I'll wear that. I just don't want to cut somebody going into his third year at a position where it's really hard to play in this in, a, in this day and age right now. I still think there's enough ability for me to hold on to another year. But maybe Tommy Trimble is a guy that could get cut. Where are you on Trimble? Yeah, uh, I You're think fine with it. when you talk about the tight end. <laughs> I could see it right now. I think when you get the tight ends, uh, let's get you out of here. Okay, let's get Trimble out of here. Let's get uh, Ian Thomas out of here as well, even though they're not going to uh, possibly do that this so year. So only one. Yeah, only let's one get him back end. out and then try to find something <laughs> off of the, uh, the, the the scrap heap because I just don't see much uh, when I watch either of those two guys. Uh, Tommy Trimble, when I watch him, I mean, I don't, I don't see anything special from him. And the fact that he's sitting behind Ian Thomas with what I've seen from Ian Thomas, I think tells me a lot about what I need to know uh, about Tommy Trimble. And please, don't ever run screens for Ian Thomas again. Every time he catches the screen, he just gets blasted as soon as he catches it. I, I just don't understand what we're doing here. I was sitting there when I was watching the game. I said, why do they keep throwing screens to Ian Thomas? Um, so so basically, Frank Reich, <laughs> Thomas Brown, then you go to that section of the, the play sheet and just cross it out. Just, just cross it out, man. Right. But what what about Ian Thomas's game do you watch and say, that's a guy I want to get out in space? Mm-hmm. You've never seen athleticism yeah, you don't see loose hips. You don't see any of that to where he can show you that he can get out in the open field and do damage. Mm-hmm. So just scrap it. Um, this is the first year, by the way, where we've had one single cut deadline as opposed to trimming down the roster and waves because there's been a couple of deadlines here and there. Do you like that change and how it affects the players in the NFL? I'm fine with that because I think these coaches get a lot of evaluation during practice as well. I mean, I know they get into the games, but the game situations, like they said, is so tricky. I mean, how can I tell if I want to keep a sixth uh, you know, fifth, sixth string guy when he's not going up against an NFL starter. He's going up against a guy that's more than likely going to be cut as well. So I think they get a lot of evaluation during practice. So yeah, I'm I'm, I'm here for it. And I mean, I, it, it's harder, I guess, for us to try to keep track of everything. You, you already have a wave of guys with 11 having already been cut. I, I wonder just how much it allows players to latch on with another roster. And so it, it is a little misleading. You think, okay, you get cut the first round, so that means you're worse than everybody there. But in a Marquand McCall case, maybe they think so highly of him, want to do right by the player, try to allow him to get on another roster. I know what happened with the Patriots failed a physical, and so eventually that didn't work out. But it's not necessarily you get cut first, therefore you are a worse player than everyone else. It's just that they want to do you a solid so you can go latch on to another roster. Fiddy, you had another point on that? Where was you, where was this rule in the mid-2000s? Because Tay Biddle would have lasted longer in the process. That's right. I mean, I think for the players it's fine. I think it changes our viewing, though, because like when you were young, you would you these games matter because you fell in love with players in the preseason that the next week were no longer there because they were getting cut. So I don't know. Also, um, seven two zero number says that Willie P can play tight end Seriously? better than Ian Thomas. Can we can we 
find that out? What do you think about Willie P screens, Wes? No, like I, don't, I don't think that'd go very well okay. either. Just wanted to check it. Come on, man. Unlike Bryce Young, who will be able to get up and keep going, I don't think Willie P will be able to get up and keep going. This is football. Final <laughs> thoughts on what Fiddy had to say, Wes? Uh, yeah, and the one thing I would say for the players is that I think it. it it is a little bit tougher for them because now the pool is so big when you have all of these teams cutting the amount of players that they are, whereas week by week, there's a smaller pool. So teams may be able to look and say, okay, I like that guy. And they don't have so many players to choose from because that pool is going to be large. Um, kind of like the transfer portal. We have so many different yeah, guys. It's kind of hard no doubt. to you know, figure out exactly who could help your roster. There's more of today's latest and greatest coming up next on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. The exclusive home of the Charlotte Sports Fan. Instant replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. Earlier this afternoon on the Kyle Bailey Show. We're, we're resuming our weekly conversation. It might be the most popular college football conversation weekly on this show. And I got to apologize to my man Eric McLean of the ACC Network, great analyst, former Clemson Tiger offensive lineman. And he's back with us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Eric, it's good to have you back, man. How are things? Hey, brother. The season is here, week one. Let's freaking go, my man. I'm jacked up and, and excited, but uh, kind of like you echoed, I just want to you know, say those thoughts and prayers to, to UNC, man, and everybody on that campus. Similar to you, man, I, I've kind of been following the situation a little bit, and, and it seems like a lot of just unknown still. So it, it's scary as all get out and and I just hope everybody is uh, everybody's safe and, and okay over there. Well said. No, I agree with you 100%. Well, let's, let's stay on North Carolina and South Carolina. I chatted with Shane Beamer on the show a couple of weeks ago. I'm sure we'll catch up with Mac at some point. But, um, you know, they know, we all know this is a massive game for two teams that are in different conferences, but it's a hell of a way to start the season. Mac said, I think he told your, your uh, podcast partner, Kelly Gramlich, the other day that, hey, South Carolina's got momentum and we don't. Um, I understood what he meant by that, but I've always been told, Eric, that, hey, from the end of a season to the next, momentum might not always be perceived as a thing to some people. What did you make of those comments, and what does that mean to you? Yeah, hey, it depends on if you win or lose the last one. Then you think fine, whether you like it or not. Um, no, I, I think it's true, man. On the field success, I mean, the, the, the finish that, you know, South Carolina had, uh, you know, to the year, especially, you know, beating Tennessee and then beating Clemson was, I mean, unbelievable. I don't. I don't think anyone saw that coming. And and the off season they've had. I know that. Uh, you know, Spencer Rattler. Everything that I've heard from that camp is is he's coming into the guy that we thought he could be. That he's turning into that quarterback uh, that played at such a high level and is really just man, kind of setting it on fire. So it's interesting to see can he continue to do that uh, in this football season and what does he look like. So, you know, I had a listener a second ago compliment you and Kelsey Riggs and the, the whole crew at ACC Network for doing a great job with the road trips. And you, it's an awesome feature that in a series that you guys do each and every year. But as it pertains to Carolina, one of the questions that I was hoping to ask Mac today, and I'll give it to you because you visited with those folks and you cover this team. Um, we know Drake can ball. I expect they're going to score points. My question is, you know, the defensive side of the football, right? Who's going to make those plays? Like, wh where are they going to get better on that side of the ball? Who's going to make those plays? Who's the vocal leader on that side of the football? Eric, who stands out to you? Yeah, I, I think it's two different guys, right? And and kind of sort of one equals both. But, you know, when you, when you look at the vocal leader and, and the guy that gets everything going – you know, defensively for them, it's Power Eccles, you know, the linebacker that had a great year last year, 
over 100 tackles, is an absolute you know firecracker for them, man, and, and a guy that, that does a great job leading. And then you've got Cedric Gray, who's right beside him, who had like 145 tackles, uh, active as all get out, very productive. You know, linebacker there can run sideline to sideline very well uh, and is a great prospect. But then the question is who around them uh, can step it up? Who else is going to join the party and be, you know, a, a valuable asset? And it, it's it's crazy for me, man, when I look at this team and I look at the star power that they have at the defensive line position and think that they can't get more production. When I look at Desmond Evans, a former five-star I think number one player in the country, at least number one defensive end, has had like one sack in, in three, four years, however many years he's been there. You look at a guy like Miles Murphy that has just been right there. Can he take the next step to kind of get to stardom? Uh, Jafari Ritzy, uh, Tamarian Fox, Amari Gaynor, uh, you know, the, 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 uh, I forget his, his nickname, but it's hilarious. But, uh, you know, Kamani Rucker, can those guys get it going? and uh, get productive in, in the stat sheet there because they've got it. And, and I think the, the star power is there. It's just can it equal production on the field. The biggest adjustment I need to see, um, if you really want to pinpoint it into this defense that was the worst in the ACC statistically, they've got to get after the quarterback. They have to get tackles behind the line of scrimmage, tackles for loss and sacks have to improve for this defense you you played in a lot of big games at clemson so i doubt you get very nervous right at least in the, the fan <laughs> sense right but there are fans out there clemson fans that you know they might not tell it to you but they're kind of chewing their fingernails off about this duke opener because a lot of the things that we just said like we all know from top to bottom clemson's gotten the most talent and the best pedigree and all that stuff but that is not an easy game to open up with does it concern you at all you know i, I think when you're dealing with a quarterback as good as riley leonard is and, and an offense that has so many guys back at the wide receiver position, Jordan Moore, Jalen Calhoun, Amir Hagan, uh, a first-round draft pick, I think, and Graham Barton, uh, a very talented, uh, another offensive lineman, and Jacob Monk, and a loaded backfield man that had, I think, four guys over 400 yards last year. That gets your attention. That certainly does. And, oh, to, by the way, to mention a guy in Riley Leonard, who I think is one of the best quarterbacks in the conference and maybe has one of the, the higher ceilings uh, when, when you come to what can he do this year, we kind of know what Drake's going to be. We know what we're going to get from Jordan Travis. I think Riley Leonard can take it to another level. Now, that's not to discredit those guys. I think they're amongst the best in the country. But can Riley enter into that conversation? You know, his legs are tremendous. I think the next step he'll take is just with his arm, buying more time, pushing the ball downfield, and, of course, ownership of, of that offense. So, you know, I, I think it's something certainly that Clemson fans need to keep their eye on. And, uh, you know, how good can they be, I think, truly is up to, to Riley and how far he can take them. Well, you mentioned Jordan Travis, and I think he and Florida State are, are getting a deserved level of respect and even hype going into the season. They're largely considered to be the second best team in this conference. But if you were going to make the case, as I've tried to a couple of times, that NC State's actually the second best team in this conference. I hear you chuckling there, right? But we know the kind of you know football magic that Armstrong and I put together at UVA. Um, and I don't think, I think this defense at NC State could be stout. If you were going to make the case for NC State to face Clemson, let's say, in the ACC championship game here in Charlotte, what would that sound like? You know, it's funny, man. I don't think it's that far-fetched. Uh, I really don't, especially after seeing you know the teams that I did NC State being one of them, I thought the defense was going to take a big step backwards. I thought that they lost so many guys, just really talented guys and leaders, you know, not only production, but guys that have led this team for so long at the safety position, at the linebacker position, 
defensive end position, you know, how could they possibly take a step forward? And yet I think they will. I think they're more athletic and faster at linebacker. Jalen Scott is a freak, number two. He's going to be playing kind of their strong side backer. Moves like an absolute deer. Isaiah Moore and, and you know, my guy Drake Thomas were, were fantastic college players. I think that this guy is, is going to be a fantastic NFL player with his size and speed. It's just so rare, man. And, and of course, if Peyton Wilson can stay healthy, I think he's one of the best in the ACC, maybe one of the best in the nation if he can stay healthy. But then the, the just the overall length and size at every position and, and what kind of jumped off the screen to me, if you will, or when we were at practice, jumped on the field was the size of DB. I mean, Shaheen Battle and Aiden White are big guys, 6'2", six, 6'3", six, long as all get out, can really make things happen. The defensive line was big between Jackson Clark and, and Van, who just got awarded the number one jersey, kind of a, a big-time deal there at the defensive end position. Um, so I'm feeling this defense, man. It all kind of hinges on me, similar to, to Duke. What can you do at quarterback? Do you have enough weapons? Uh, can, can can Gray, Lassane, Rooks, and, and Timmons, just to name a few, step up at wide receiver to, to have a ton of production? Because I think defense is going to be fine. I, I expect them fully to be amongst the best in the ACC yet again. I like the way you look at that. Now, I, I could keep going down the roster of teams, and you and I have got enough time to do that. Week zero's here, but, um, well, behind us now. Week one's about to be here, but let, let's talk for a second about some news. Um, I, I told the ACC folks this morning, hey, I'll be there at the flag planting tomorrow in Uptown. They're, they're officially breaking ground on their Charlotte real estate and announcing their presence here in Charlotte. And so I'm going to be there for that. But tonight, Eric, as you've probably seen, there could be a vote on admitting Stanford, Cal, and SMU into the Atlantic Coast Conference. Now, I could joke about Eric Dickerson, ACC legend, Aaron Rodgers, ACC legend, things like that. But um, it is a w- these would be strange additions to the Atlantic Coast Conference. And all the different um, concessions that are reportedly willing to be made by the likes of SMU foregoing all the money and Stalin, Cal, or Cal and Stanford foregoing some of the money. What do you make of all this? Does this work long-term? Does it make sense? Give me your thoughts. Yeah, well, what's long-term? You know, the end of the, the rights agreement. Right. It's such a newly defined thing nowadays, man, where you just, you have no clue all the movement and, the, and how fluid all of this stuff is becoming. Teams jump and ship in a, in a hurry. I mean, we just saw a conference die right between our own eyes, you know, with, with the Pac-12 and teams just jump and ship as quick as they can. Um, and, and so it, it's interesting to me. You know, what 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 is the play? Is the play simply that extra funds that you're getting from it that you can now divvy up to Clemson and to Florida state to hopefully keep them happy to keep them is the play to, to, you know, scholastically enhance even further the, the, the best conference in the world that what they have is the play to, to maybe hope and think that, you know, this will be a meaningful add to, to your football programs. I'm not sure if Stanford and Cal in this day and age are SMU. I like, I like the market, love Dallas. I think that they have a great head coach and, and a system that's, fun to watch fun football that's a lot of points and, and high scoring offense um is it all a play to get that extra money to say hey notre dame here's 70 million come play <laughs> what what's the goal what what's the goal of all of it that's what i'd love to hear and to kind of know um so just on paper uh and, and looking at it for what it is without any internal information probably not i mean if anything maybe it opens the door for teams to leave sooner uh so i, I don't know man i, I don't love it 
Love the Dallas play. Don't love the two others. Uh, right there with you, 100%. And if, if this isn't some means to get Notre Dame to finally come on in the tent, because I don't think they're going to like what NBC tells them at the negotiating table in a couple oh. of years. And, yeah. uh, you know, if this, I hope that's the long term. I hope that's the play here, because simply adding two of those three schools to your point, no matter how academically um, you know impressive they are, it just doesn't do much for sports fans. Now, I'll let you go on this, and again, we'll pick up a lot of this next week, but, you know, we were talking about, you know, Clemson's schedule, opening up with Duke a couple of minutes ago. Y'all got Notre Dame later this season. And boy, after Saturday, man, they're interesting. And I know that, you know, Navy secondary might not uh, be what they'll face later in the year because guys were running wide open. But my God, Sam Hartman had himself a day over in Dublin. What'd you think about that debut in the Irish? Yeah, man, I, I'm, I'm a big Sam Hartman fan, as I'm sure most people listening to this, this show remember. Um, and when he made that announcement, because we all thought he was gone, right? We, every indication was that we knew he was done at Florida, or excuse me, at Wake Forest, uh, and thought that he was going to, you know, dip his toe in the NFL and see what happens. But when he announced that he was staying in college football, man, we were, we were so jacked up for him, so excited for him. And now, being at a a blue blood, being at a a worldwide recognized, you know, football powerhouse in a pro system uh, with a big old offensive line with a great running back room, and you know, just all the history, he gets to now potentially be one of the greatest ever there you know he's already one of the greatest in the ACC probably the greatest at Wake Forest now he gets to continue that legacy and I think just dramatically he's going to improve his draft stock with the offense he's going to be in with the numbers that he's going to put up at a place like Notre Dame the people that he's going going to play all that matters man and I'm excited to see it I think it adds a wrinkle to the the offense that Notre Dame hasn't had in who knows how long with a quarterback that can do the things he can do and uh, certainly a, a big old challenge for our ACC teams. I think we have six that played them, um, but I like the ones that we have to play. So hopefully old Sam can uh, you know, take a couple for his ACC brothers and make that happen for us because we haven't had great luck against those Irish. You tuned into Instant Replay when the audio was so good, it has to be heard again. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. The exclusive home of the Charlotte sports fan.